Uh, during the week, uh, in preparation for this morning, I've been doing a little bit of uh, reading, and uh, one of the people I read about was William Wilberforce, which seems an interesting choice to read about for Harvest Festival. William Wilberforce is, uh, the story is an amazing story of someone who uh, caught the essence, I think, of what Jesus taught us last week in giving us the new commandment, to love one another as I have loved you, or to love one another as I have loved you, love one another. Uh, And uh, it kind of helped me think about last week's reading and this week's reading. It's an interesting story because it helps us realise just how hard it is to love one another. In his fight to end slavery in the British Empire, one of the greatest forces that uh, worked against him was the church, all the churches, who said that slavery was God's will and that he was tampering with the created order of things. Loving one another seems so straightforward, doesn't it? And yet, in that story, we see how complicated it can be that the question of who do we love and how do we love was right at the fore, and William's answer to that question was very different from the official answer of the church. It turns out that trying to live out that little saying is really difficult, and we saw that last week. We saw that in the readings from Acts and Galatians, and we saw it in the history of the church down the centuries since. It is actually really hard to love one another. The trouble is, who we love and how we love keeps getting made smaller and smaller by the culture we live in and by our religion. And so, in last week's reading from Acts, we saw Christians struggling with loving one another as Christ loves us, struggling with it from the very beginning of the story of the church. The reality is that we are simply not able to love as Jesus loved. There are individuals who get pretty close. William Wilberforce is one of those. St. Francis of Assisi is another one who gets pretty close. And most of those who get pretty close we call saints. But for the rest of us, it just remains hard work. So we have two choices, really. We can either give up and just carrying on, uh, carry on not loving, or uh, we can stop and notice how we're not loving, uh, repent of that, and try again, and again, and again, and again. Why is loving as Jesus did so difficult? Well, I think in part it's because it involves seeing the world and seeing people very differently from the way the rest of the world sees them. And we, can, we saw that last week in the stories of the early church as it struggled with uh, how to cope with um, Hellenistic Jewish Christians as opposed to Jewish Jewish Christians and then the whole dilemma about Gentile Christians. And we can see it in this week's Gospel reading Uh, with Jesus and the invalid. Now, on the face of it, this morning's Gospel reading is a pretty simple little story. It's a little story about Jesus healing someone. 
But I think there's more going on in that story than we first see. One of the commentators I read about this morning's reading talked about the difference between disease and illness. Now, disease he talked about as being the symptoms, the fact that the porticos were filled with people who were lame or blind or paralysed. So we would see that as the problem. Uh, And so we understand the healing to be in terms of healing those problems. So that's the disease. He then went on to say that the illness that was at play here, which was far more important for the people involved in the story, was the disordering or the disruption or the destruction of right relationships with God, with their family, with their community or with the whole uh, community of God. And that these disruptions or destruction of relationships uh, were much more important and were then manifest in the disease. The disease then was seen as being caused by the disruption of the relationship by, of the relationships. And when somebody was um, blind or lame or paralysed or deaf, uh, it was understood to be caused by the disruption of relationships, which then, of course, caused more disruption of relationships because they were seen then as somehow being out of relationship with God and therefore to be near them was to be a difficult thing, so people pulled away even more. And we can see this at play in the story this morning with this man who is alone. There is no one to help him get into the pool when the water is stirred. For whatever reason, his family has abandoned him, and he is now an outsider. He is a nobody. He is invisible. He belongs to no one, and he belongs nowhere. Now, when we read the story, as I, as I said a little minute ago, when we read the story, we read the point of healing when, to be when the disease is dealt with. So in this case, the man uh, was paralysed, and so the point of healing is when Jesus deals with that. But if the relationships, the disruption of relationships, is the real problem rather than the disease, the point of healing actually comes much earlier in the story. It comes when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there for a long time and said to him, do you want to be made well? Notice what Jesus does. The first thing he does is he sees him. No one else sees this man. He's a nobody. He doesn't exist anymore. He has been wiped by everyone else. He is simply a shadow, one of those lost souls that gathers around this pool. But Jesus sees him. And he does more than see him, he knows him. He knows about him. No one else took the time to know anything about him. No one else took the time to see him and to know anything about him. Because he is a non-person. There is nothing to know. He belongs to no one. He belongs to nowhere. But Jesus knows him. And then finally Jesus speaks to him. 
as a person. No one else spoke to him as a person. You don't speak to people who don't exist. He was an invisible person, an invisible thing that was around the pool. So Jesus sees him, and he knows him, and he speaks to him. And in those three acts, he recognises him as a person, and he re-establishes relationships with him. The disruption of relationship is healed when Jesus does those three things. Everything else that happens in that story flows on from that verse, from the re-establishment of relationship. The person, the man, is then able to respond to that. Now, you can't respond unless there's some kind of relationship. Jesus invites him into relationship, and in doing so, invites him into relationship with God. Now, Jesus' culture and religion said that this person should be treated as if they did not exist, that they were beyond love, that they were beyond God's care and love. That's how Jesus' culture and religion treated this person. But Jesus broke all those ways of seeing this person and of seeing the world. He saw him, he knew him, and he spoke to him. And in doing so, he healed the broken relationship. And he restored this man to his place in God's community. Now this got Jesus into all sorts of trouble. Not only for the act itself... But because, as the reading says at the end, it was the Shabbat, the Sabbath, the day of rest. And if we were able to read the next ten verses, we would see just how much trouble this little act on this day got him into. And I think that's another reason why we struggle to love as Jesus loved. Because it's dangerous. It gets you into trouble. It got Jesus into trouble. It got all the saints into trouble. It got Wilberforce into trouble. To love as Jesus loved is difficult and dangerous. So, if we really do want to love as Jesus loves, we have to stop and wonder who is invisible to us. Who do we need to see, to know, to treat as God's beloved when nearly everyone else says, move on quickly by Now, why was I reading about William Wilberforce when it's Harvest Festival? Well, one of the unknown, one of the little known facts about William Wilberforce, and in fact many of those who joined with him to end slavery, was, is that they were also some of the prime movers in the establishment of the SPCA, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. They saw that there was a clear link for how if we mistreat animals, it is a very small step to mistreat people. And so they saw the, the fact that there was slavery and the mistreatment of slaves to be intimately linked with how animals were treated in Britain at the time. And it's a very small step from animals to the whole of creation. And so Wilberforce is one of those who laid the platform for us today who not only ended slavery, but also through the SPCA, offered us a way of seeing creation as God's. Not ours to use and abuse, but as God's. And therefore, that changes the way we see not only all of humanity, but all of creation.
Harvest Festival then is a time for us where we can not only, as I said in the pew sheet, give thanks for God's provision, giving thanks for all that we might have grown in our own gardens, and uh, we can see lots of things that were grown in people's <coughs> gardens. I suspect a fair chunk of that actually came out of Trevor's garden. But uh, there's other people's gardens there as well. Um, my tomatoes didn't make it because they've all been eaten. But uh, so my little stash is down here, and so it also gives us the chance to celebrate the harvest that other people have grown and that we are able to buy in our shops, which is a good thing, because if I had to rely on my garden, I'd be a very hungry person. Harvest Festival is an opportunity for us to celebrate God's abundant provision and to give thanks for that. But through that, we're also invited to do two things. The first is to acknowledge that creation is God's and not ours to use and abuse as we wish. And secondly, we're invited to be satisfied with all that God does give us and not seek to and strive for more. So as we keep hold of this Gospel reading and Jesus' command last week to love one another as he loves us, and following the example of William Wilberforce who was able to see that actually loving one another also applied to all of creation, that means it offers us an opportunity to give thanks for God's provision in all of creation, and to be as generous as God is generous, and to share God's fruits and goodness with all. So let's pause for a moment and think about who are the invisible people around us, and who it is that we are to be generous with.